0: Diversity is not skin color. Diversity is a different way of thinking, a different set of beliefs and soulful alliance, a different approach to relationship. All of these are needed to continually improve the system now in place so that more opportunities are within reach for everyone. Hola chicas, I'm Consuelo Crosby, born with both sides of my brain fighting for attention. Structural engineer and creative. Mother and mentor, center of any spontaneous fiesta, if I've had my morning latte. I give it all to being a first-generation Peruvian badass chica. So grateful you're here today, wanting to shed that armor, relax into your truth, Pick up your salsa step, tune out what's getting to you, and be lifted from goddesses of generations past that taught us to live life large and out loud, because we're not blending in. Life links, knowledge you didn't even know you had to be the badass chica you were born to be. Hola, hola, chicas. Yes, a double hola. Welcome to December, ladies. Day one. Can you believe it? December. It's coming right after that glorious holiday weekend. I hope you had a fab time together with friends and family and got a chance to relax and catch up after last year being shut out. Even with all the ups and downs we still endured this year, there was a lot to be grateful for. Hopefully, you had that Friday off and you could just relax and enjoy what you wanted to do a little really grateful for you all. I just loved having the weekend to spend together. And I'm thinking that, geez, it really helps having those four days off. So you have time to listen to the podcast. There was a huge bump this week, and I really, really appreciate you taking the time relaxing and listening and that something's resonating. Could it have been that special guest? I think you all loved her. I'm so excited. I would love to have more. Literally love to have more. Looking forward to things opening up and can have that in-person contact. Because like I said, the Latina in me definitely does not want sterility here in four walls, no people, and only a monitor. Not loving it. Today, let's consider how adversity creeps into diverse families, partially due to the pressures of societal norms. It's challenging to maintain a true identity of a culture different the area one lives in. It gets even more difficult when parents try to assimilate their children into the society and that assimilation is in direct conflict with who they are. This can cause pain and confusion in kids and that pain can stay pulsing for a long time if it's not addressed. And this is true for Any pain experienced as a child. By the time you're in your 30s and 40s, it's good to revisit your childhood and try to lend an adult perspective to how you were feeling then as a little kid so that you can make adjustments to go forward. I say this because often when pain happens, we tend to shrink from our souls and have our brains take over the decision-making in order not to get hurt again. You know this, you've felt this, you might be feeling it right now. But our cultural complexity, our heritage and identity is rooted in our soul. Without our identity, our soul making the decisions for us, we risk losing our diverse identity completely. The beauty in life is that there is always time to pause and reflect on who you are. If you are living true to yourself and how to bring back the parts of you that may have been silenced for whatever reason. But before this can happen, it's necessary to reflect on your parent situation and learn empathy. Put yourself in their shoes and see if you would have done it differently, but in their time with their limited resources, and the societal barriers of that time. That's why I try to bring forward all this information from a generation prior, because there's context needed to understand why we are where we are. Hopefully, you realize they did the best they could with what they had. And now it's up to you to make adjustments and live true to who you are, by embracing your heritage in confidence. Why is this important? Because if we continue to follow the thought process of avoiding conflict by assimilating into the norms, we lose our diversity completely. By embracing the struggle of adversity of our diversity, we learn to persevere to preserve it. We learn to recognize adversity when we see it in society and correct it. And with that, we bring forward the life knowledge of those before us, which could hold the answer that we need today. If you've been listening for a while, you know there's a common thread that runs through a lot of my stories and a lot of these episodes relative to talking from a first generation point of view. First generation meaning I have a mother who comes from Peru and I was raised under a different set of parenting norms than most kids my age at the time. I try to describe the difficulty of what it was like to be raised in that situation, and also my learning process of understanding where my parents were coming from and why that difficulty was created to begin with. It's really healing, and I encourage you to go through it in your lifetime. The idea of personal adversity from within my family due to the cultural differences really ramped up in high school. That is a difficult age to take on more adversity. Especially at home, the situation can become really isolating for an adolescent who's trying to maintain their identity, but without any support from others who should be able to empathize with them. This still goes on a lot. And it doesn't just have to be cultural differences, obviously. But speaking to anyone who's going through this, I get it. I have a story of when the cultural differences really started clashing, and you can listen to it on my Dirty Deets bonus episode this coming Monday, December 6th. The Dirty Deets are the full personal story that fuels any of these episodes. The whole point isn't just to hear my story, though. Instead, it's giving context to your life now, in this current day. I like to see them as a gauge for the change we still need to improve our lives. You can compare your story to my story, and then we get a feel of whether change is occurring quickly, or it really needs to pick up a bit. So look for it on Monday and give it a listen, and hopefully that will help you understand even further what I'm talking about in this episode. There's three different doors you could pass through in general when it comes to being a parent from a foreign country and then what you are raising your children to do. That's a first-generation American. There's the come here and try to totally assimilate, blend in through and through, and raise your kids that way, which means you're leaving all of your culture behind, leaving your language, your lifestyle And the love of your country. I can't even imagine that. It would be heartbreaking for me. Or you could be all the way on the opposite end, which is yes, come here, live in America and find other people that are familiar and from your country and culture and heritage so that you can blend back into that group. That's comfortable and not follow the American way, not follow the pop culture and stay as if you were in that country living here in America. Those morals, those rules and raise your kids like that, which is also very difficult. And then there's somewhere in the middle, and I feel like I fall somewhere in the middle where my mother being from Peru raised me to be very much half-half, very much yes here's the American way, here's the opportunity, here's what you can do here, strive to be successful in the American standard. But at the same time, she transferred over to me all of her life story and all the knowledge of her family and her upbringing. And it's as though I got passed over the key to the vault. And in that held all of the life links, all of the knowledge from what she had learned, what her mother had taught her, what her mother was like, and all of the family. And also her cultural standards, all the rules and morals and expectations of what a young woman was to act like, which were not only countries apart, but generations apart. And so there's a very big gap. There's this large chasm that separates these two halves which was really easy to fall into, like a rabbit hole. It's really hard to navigate the popping back and forth between, I can do this as an American, but I can't do this as a daughter of a Peruvian. It's a blessing, but it is very heavy. <laughs> it's a lot to carry. Double standards are built into this society from the start, and they continue even now. Just look at the pay inequity between men and women. At least today, with more transparency and the ability to share information, using a double standard is diminishing. People will call out that stuff as soon as it starts happening. And with the power of voice today and the numbers in which people can join in, we are actually making change. But in my lifetime, it was prevalent even as society began to accept women in career positions. There was this commercial for Injoli. It was a perfume product in the 70s. And it literally showed a woman in business attire coming home, throwing her briefcase down, putting on an apron, and grabbing a frying pan. And the jingle went like this. I can't sing it, but it is kind of catchy. You can look it up on YouTube. Maybe I'll do the end. (laughs) Okay, now envision this blonde woman walking in the door and singing. I can put the clothes on the line, feed the kids, get dressed, pass out the kisses, and still get to work by five of nine. I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in the pan, and never, never, never let you forget you're a man. Cause I'm a woman. Yeah, that. That's what I was raised in. That's what my peers were learning a woman should be like. Now we can all laugh at the audacity of the presumption and this style of advertising of what a woman should be. But back then, it wasn't a far stretch for my mom to adopt this into her parenting style. Remember, She became really worried about how I could assimilate into a culture that had been so harsh to her. My mother knew of no other way than what she had experienced firsthand and what she was learning from those around her, including the media. So if the commercials were saying an American woman should learn how to do it all, she took that to heart. The double standard was prevalent for me because I was the only daughter. And to this day, I don't really understand it. I'm still confused by the concept that a matriarch, a woman in charge of both family and a corporation, would want to raise a daughter to be viewed as inferior to her sons. For example, my mother would insist that I clean the all-boys bathroom. And iron my father's shirts. And if any of you have had to clean that, you have to wonder how there could be so many misses. Definitely not carnival winners in the bunch. But at the same time, I had to strive to be academically superior to them. The pressure was put on me to academically perform so they could bring home the C's and the D's. And yep. Let's go all the way to the bottom. But if I did, I was going to be grounded. That was punishment. So in some sense, she was preparing me to be both a matriarch with career opportunities and financial security and someone else's wife, a wife based on the 50s model. But I didn't accept this as the norm. I stood back a little bit, even then, to understand why she wanted me to do this. My mother did not foresee the power that the next generations of women would garner here in America, including my own. She was more focused on her own generational experience in this country, which makes sense. It's all she knew. It was nothing like she had left in Peru. She was a career woman. That focused solely on work and all the other things, the cooking, the cleaning, were done by somebody else. But she didn't think that could be possible here in America, which was true. So in case the career opportunities were still going to be very limited, like they were in her day, she wanted to make sure I could, air quotes, get a man that women should know how to cook and clean and praise men away from their self-doubt in order not to be alone. Because being alone, being an unmarried woman, was even lesser. This is the generational thinking. In that regard, I think we should all be feeling really good about ourselves and our position in society that this is not a governing thought process anymore. And yet my mother probably realized that my personality would not be suitable for just being someone's wife. I have too much vivacity and independence to rely on others for my livelihood. And my bathroom cleaning skills were not going to be my strongest attraction. By the time I was out of college, I was very tempted to lean more towards the American way of living. My mother was still imposing her cultural ideas and fears of me being too free in society. She told me it was great that I was the first and only female engineer at work, but if I were to go out with the men after work, that would be a stain on the family image. I could earn my own living and have my own apartment, but if I were to have my boyfriend over, That would be another stain on the family image. So after the severity of an engineering degree and the intensity of being the only woman at work, I really needed some levity, some freedom to lighten that load. I wanted to experience life with the same spontaneity and independence that my girlfriends were enjoying. But to do so would mean severing relationship with my mother because she would have seen that as an act of disrespect. I could not stay on one side or the other of this cultural chasm, because one side would have driven me crazy, and the other side would have made me an orphan. I had to keep hopping from one side to the other in the hopes that I would not fall into the rabbit hole, and this was totally exhausting. I could have done without being war-torn by the time I was 21. But what I didn't realize then was how prepared I was to face these same behaviors in the workplace and society. My reaction to this had become second nature, and I no longer felt the struggle. So when it happened outside my home, my reaction was more like a reflex in addressing the double standard. I remember the instant I faced a double standard at work when I found out that a new hire, a male hire, with less experience than me, was given a higher salary. Had I not gone through a lifetime of being raised in a double standard, I doubt I would have acted so swiftly or so directly to call out that bias. After a lifetime of dealing with double standard at home, I knew it when I saw it. And I wasn't going to tolerate it. I reflect back on this often to refresh my take on it. If I hadn't stayed within my mother's sphere of influence, I would not have learned what a double standard or a cultural barrier felt like. If I had opted to blend in, to be the Connie, I would have dismissed my mom's behavior as cultural hiccups for being Hispanic. Something that I didn't have to worry about. And in doing so, I would have had to dismiss her completely. You can't pick and choose what you will take from a person you love. You have to love all of them and try to understand the parts that rub you the wrong way. There's something about facing adversity within your own family that makes you better prepared for it in society. In my opinion, my identity wasn't being targeted by my family. It felt less personal. It felt more like a challenge. It was a safe place to challenge the norm, even though the sideway consequences, the quote-unquote failures, were viewed under a much finer microscope. It was tough to come back to the raised eyebrow suggesting, I told you so. Being challenged by society, on the other hand, in cultural barriers, in double standards, to me, that felt personal. That felt like, okay, you're attacking my identity. So in a way, this is such a big blessing. Being trained in your family of what this feels like gives you a safe place to hone your skills in dealing with it. If You stay in it. Take that journey in it. Have the faith that you can carry on in this challenge. You roll with this adversity to maintain your diversity. Now, the adversity that she was operating under was mostly based on fear. But that fear is based in reality. The reality of the social barriers that my parents' generation were operating within and had no hopes of changing it. I did the same thing. Although I had battled against the barriers in the engineering field, I saw it as a long standing archaic industry with a misogynist lead. I didn't encourage my daughters to enter into engineering because I really didn't think it would change enough in their lifetime. Also, what I didn't see coming was the entirely new industry of technology and how within technology, there would be additional layers of heavy male dominance that I'm not sure I totally prepared my girls to deal with. We were very cozy in our female trio. And although I raised them to be independent and courageous and to fight their fears, they really didn't have exposure to what this double standard and cultural barrier felt like in a personal sense. Only if they got in the range of my brothers. But we don't go there in this podcast. When you have to fight for something, whether it's fight to keep it or fight to get it, you tend to appreciate it so much more. You have invested your energy and passion and life into that fight. It becomes personal, even if the main focus is on the greater good. If you haven't been on the receiving side of conflict, if you haven't experienced injustice, then you don't know to look for it or see it when it's happening right in front of you. This was the blessing, the universal gift of experiencing these behaviors from within my family and taking my fortitude outside into the world. Although it made my life easier, That wasn't my intent. I didn't want any other women to experience what I was going through, not in my family, but in society. And if I could do my little bit to cut back that bias, to call out the double standard as it was happening, and to show people where the cultural barriers were in what everyone else considered the norm, then I felt fulfilled. And this was before I even had daughters. I kind of feel like now I understand why I had daughters. They say that humanity has a tendency to lose information within three generations. I can see that. How many of you know your great-grandparents? Their names, how they viewed life, their successes and struggles? That. That is the loss by the third generation especially if they have come from another country, maybe left family behind and so you don't have contact with other family members that can tell you the full story. This is how I hone my own way of carrying on the values of my heritage into the modern day of an American culture. My daughters and their husbands cook our favorite Peruvian dishes. They know their stories of their great-grandmother and how it compares to their current day. My daughters can recognize the resemblance to the women of our last three generations and can pass them on to the fifth and sixth generations in a first-person account. If you know the stories firsthand, then you can reliably pass them down two more generations. This is what I view as diversity. We cannot lose our identity. We will lose our heritage. We will lose our culture. We will lose what makes sense to us because it's not just a place. It's a feeling that pulses within us. It's running in our blood and in our brain, in how we view life. It's how we act in life. So yes, you will feel adversity in your diversity. But then you could use that to your advantage in understanding this system that you work and live within. You've honed your strengths, your convictions. You're not going to lay down your torch, but rather pass it on to the next generation. What is the point of diversity if we lose our culture, lose our heritage, and blend in to what is already the norm? Diversity is not skin color. Diversity is a different way of thinking, a different set of beliefs and soulful alliance, a different approach to relationship. All of these are needed to continually improve the system now in place so that more opportunities are within reach for everyone. To lose diversity because it is too difficult to deal with adversity makes it feel like we shouldn't fight for diversity at all. This is the long game, ladies. We are the vessels for carrying our heritage intact as we live forward and sharing our stories with our family and friends so that the context of our diversity is built into society. Diversity shall be seen as knowledge rather than a handout or a quota. Or even equity. Diversity is empowerment. Step into your truth, ladies. Ciao. Really appreciate the time you take to rate and review the podcast. Get the backstory and what you've heard here today and reach out to us at thelinks.com. That's X. Because it's about time, it's about us. Stay in the groove on our social media at Lifelinks and get ready to make your move, ladies. Viva!